Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. The largest threat facing our democracy today is voting rights, or the threat to your voting rights. This is what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tells us. This is what Kamala Harris tells us. This is what the pundits on MSNBC, CNN, and other places tell us. And today I think what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to show you that voting is just something they tell you you can do to make you feel like you participate in democracy. You know, it's the old, we are the government, the government is us. You know, so when people complain, when you complain about the government, you're just really complaining about yourself. That's really what the deal is. So voting rights, uh, first of all, you know, whether or not there's even a threat to voting rights, I think is debatable. But um, we've covered this a little bit in a previous show where we talked about how lawyers blanketed states, battleground states in the Midwest and North to change voting rules in those states that ended up being very critical, actually, to to the outcome of the election. And now the people that perpetrated that on you are telling you that, you know, because of what happened on January 6th, which is not really anything, it was a big nothing happened, um, because of something like January 6th, we, we need to make sure that that never happens again, that, that your vote can't be undermined by partisan politics. So we're going to start this conversation today with MSNBC, Rachel Maddow. Uh, and she, has, uh, she plays a, a clip from uh, a speech on the Senate floor by a senator named Maggie Harris, who we don't hear much from normally, but she's emerged here on the Senate floor with the following message. We've all been following very closely the question of whether or not voting rights will get federal protections this year. Um, To that end, I want to draw your attention to something that just happened a short time ago tonight on the United States Senate floor. Congress has a responsibility to act now to ensure that the right of every American to vote is never taken away. We must pass legislation to prevent partisan politicians from rejecting the will of the people and overturning election results. And because that effort here in Congress is being blocked by a minority, which is abusing its power, I believe the time has come to change the Senate rules to allow a straight up or down majority vote on this fundamental issue of democracy. So Congress must act. Immediately, she says, so that Americans' rights to vote can never be taken away. Now, my, you know, this begs the obvious question. Do we see people's voting rights being taken away? I mean, I don't see any evidence of that. I don't know what she's really talking about. So to me, this is a boogeyman right from the get-go. But then she talks about partisan politicians, you know, interfering uh, with with the will of the people. So she wants you to believe that uh, this part of partisan politician, Maggie Harris, uh, 
um, and her colleagues in the Senate need to stop other partisan politicians from taking away your Americans' rights to vote. So essentially what you have here is you just have, it's just a power thing going on, right? Uh, the Democrats don't like something that the Republicans did, and so they're trying to use their power to make sure that that doesn't happen. But it's all partisanship, okay? It's all partisanship. It's non-productive. It's, uh, it's fraught with um, hyperbolic examples of this person or this group or that group being disenfranchised. And so, you know, and then she goes on to extend, you know, the boogeyman to um, the minority party in the Senate, which is blocking this effort, which she defines as an abuse of power. Well, okay, and I've talked about this before, but this is why democracy is flawed. I mean, do we, do we, are, are we really going to say in America that half of these people think things should be done this way. And if there's a majority, then the other half just needs to eat shit. Okay. And you know, elections have consequences. That's what they always say. Right. I mean, this is not a reasonable way to, um, govern a country, govern anything really for that matter. Uh, it's that dichotomy that I always talk about. It's, it's, it's either this or that. They frame this all the time. They frame things in a way that, well, if you, you, know, if you aren't for sending every child in America $20,000, well, then you hate children and you want them to die. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the intelligence level of the, of the framing of, of the way they do things in Washington, D.C., But what I would say, you know, about her opening comments is that tyrants always want to change the rules when the rules don't suit them. That's essentially what happened during the Donald Trump presidency, right? The rules, they knew with COVID and everything, hey, maybe not enough people get out to vote or whatever. So they went and changed the rules and made it easy not only to vote or easier to vote, but really easier to cheat. We've talked about this with the mail-in ballots and and just the weird... I mean, I've watched election nights for a couple of decades now. I've never seen at midnight the people just come on TV and say, well, we stopped counting votes. That's never happened before, at, at least not that I've ever, ever observed. So... You know, rather than really digging into what happened in 2020, they're just they're pointing to January 6th and saying that's bad and and we need to go change this. But I think the real angst that people have around the election process and the reason this is such a big battle or a fight, as they like to talk about, is because nobody really is looking seriously into what did happen. Why did they stop the count of the vote in the middle of the night, which they've never done before? Why, uh, you know, why did so many ballots get separated from their envelopes before, um, you know, people could kind of verify that they were legitimate ballots and so on and so forth? So, 
again, I really don't care about any of this. I'm just trying to point out in this show that this is all just wrangling for power and you're just a pawn on the chessboard. They're going to, they need your support. You know, they need Republicans to go, yes, we don't want, or no, we don't want the John Lewis bill to pass. And they need Democrats to go, but, but we need to pass the John Lewis bill because you're all being taken advantage of and you're, you're being disenfranchised as voters and that's not how democracy goes and so on and so forth. So you're just a tool in this, in this big grand game they're playing. We must change the Senate rules to protect the right to vote. Because if we don't, we face a very different kind of election day than the one we have now. If the partisans who are attacking our democracy have their way, our Tuesday election day in early November will be different. We'll wake up, cast our vote, drop our kids at school, go to work. We'll tune back in at the end of the day to see the election results, only to learn that the vote tally is being ignored, that our votes don't matter much. We'll learn that our legislatures are going to throw out the results and pick their own winner. We'll see an election day that is a charade, just like in countries where democracy doesn't exist. Our democracy is too important to allow a minority of this body to let it slip away. We must pass legislation to protect American democracy. Our country depends on it. Mm, I tell you, that is a depressing story. But I, I think it's interesting that she points out that that if we don't do this, we don't pass this this law, we're going to have a very different election day in the future than we have today. Well, doesn't that seem to indicate that today's election day is just fine? I mean, she's, she's painting a picture of something in the future and comparing it to what we have today as opposed to the other way around. So, <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I, you know, Democrats are always trying to reach people emotionally. Uh, they don't really, their stories don't make a lot of logical sense, but you know, it pulls at the heartstrings and, you know, gets people all, you know, wrapped up in, you know, the drama and, and this and that. And I think she's just, you know, she's a partisan hack and she wants to change the rules because, you know, we have a 50-50 Senate and, you know, you need 50 plus one, right? In order to change the rules. Or in the Senate, I guess you need 60, which they want to get rid of the, the filibuster, which, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I mean, that's for others to decide. I think the whole thing is bad, but whether or not the filibuster is good, I'm not going to wade into that. The next person I want to critique is Kamala Harris herself. She was on um, Meet the Press with Margaret Brennan this past weekend. And I mean, this woman is not very bright. I don't know how you get to the position that she's in, in our country. I, I don't know. I mean, we, we definitely are not living in a meritocracy. That's for sure. 
not with uh, someone like Kamala Harris as a vice president of the United States. That's just unimpressive on many levels. But let's uh, let's listen to um, Margaret Brennan and her talk, and we'll comment on some of the dumb things that Kamala Harris says. So the president has also put you in charge of voting rights. Yeah, I've, and I've asked. Yeah, you asked it. You wanted this. I. You may know I am a child of parents who met when they were active in the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. I, there is so much about this fight for um, justice and the ideals of our democracy that are part of just my DNA. And on the issue of voting, we have seen 18 at least states, over a dozen states that have passed, I'm told, 33 laws that are making it difficult for the American people to vote. Well, she starts off reminding us that uh, she's a child of two parents from the civil rights movement. And that's supposed to, I guess, give her instant credibility around her opinion. But, you know, one of the things liberals always do, and I hear this, oh, I mean, my ears are so tuned to it, but everything's a fight. You know, they're fighting this and fighting that. and Fight, 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 you know, always, constantly. And, um, you know, it just, it just shapes, I guess it's, it, it's a, it's probably some sort of word they've tested, you know, in the public and it polls well or something, but, um, she sets the stage with this, um, you know, 33 states or 18 states past 33 some odd laws, which she says, you know, abridging voting rights. But again, this is a response to what happened in courts in 2020. Again, a bunch of lawyers for the Democratic Party, the DNC, ran around all these states, and they changed a bunch of rules, which was illegal, by the way. Uh, the Constitution does actually say that the state legislatures will set up the rules for elections in the various states. So what they did was illegal. So what these state legislatures did is they, they fixed all that, essentially. They basically went around and overturned all the stuff that the lawyers did in court back in 2020. So now what you've got is this John Lewis bill is just a response to that. They want to try to trump that with their deal. We have been a role model saying you can see this and aspire to this and reject autocracies mm -hmm. and autocratic leadership. And right now we're about to take ourselves off the map as a role model. If we let, if we let people destroy one of the most important pillars of a democracy, which is free and fair elections. You're talking about what's happening in state capitals around the country. I am. And, and, but I'm talking about that. And I'm talking about what's not happening in this capital in Washington, D.C. So the first thing to say about this clip is she just made my point there at the end that um, when Margaret Brennan said, you mean what's going on in state capitals around the country? Yes, that's exactly right. They're, they're fixing up what the DNC screwed up in 2020 because, you know, they had to get Donald Trump out. So it didn't matter if they broke the law. That's what they were going to do. Um. But then listen to the way she talks, man, democracy and, uh, and we're, you know, I mean, it's, it's a religion for her and for a lot of people in the Democratic Party. They, they believe their God is government. 
and they worship the God of government. It's just, to me, it just makes my stomach hurt, but we'll go on to the next clip. This is about everyone having unfettered access to their right to vote and, and, and agreeing that this is bigger than one election cycle. This is literally about our standing in the world. It's about the integrity of our democracy. I've never had anybody come up to me and say, you know, I tried really hard to vote on Tuesday and I, and I just couldn't make it happen. I couldn't find the precinct. I couldn't, I went, I finally did find a precinct and they wouldn't let me vote. I mean, this is just a canard. This doesn't exist. But then you can hear her doing some more worship, worshiping of the democracy, the God democracy and uh, our standing in the world, our, uh, you know, just how we're perceived in the world uh, with respect to democracy. I believe that voting rights is one of the most significant issues that is facing us as individuals and as leaders today. There's no question. No question. Voting rights lead to every other right. Mm -hmm. Every other right. The idea that voting rights is the source of all of the rights is such a dangerous idea I almost can't even put it into words. If your right to property, if you if you're if you're someone who owns property, and the voters of your community, state, government, whatever, whatever locality we're talking about, votes your property away from you, how can that be? How can voting be the source of your right? If you if you use your labor, your body, to produce something and acquire a piece of land or a vehicle, how can then it be that a body of people in your community could vote and have that taken away from you? That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard, and it's a very, very, very dangerous idea. Um, all the prosperity that we have in America today comes from your right to property and liberty. It doesn't come from voting. Voting is, again, is a canard. It's just a tool. And I, I, I don't know, I would, I would challenge everyone listening to this to go read Democracy, the God That Failed, uh, read anything by Murray Rothbard, um, uh, Anatomy of the State. Anatomy of the State you can read in about 30 or 45 minutes. It's basically an essay. But educate yourself on what the state is and stop falling for this kind of crap, okay? Because it's very, very dangerous and it's stupid for one thing and it's very, very dangerous. Stand up before the American people. State your position. Defend your position. See if it stands up to logic and reason. I guess Kamala Harris is under the delusion that her opinions stand up to log logic and reason. I, I, I mean, this woman, I, honestly, she's one of the dumbest people that's ever held such a high office. I, I really don't know why she's in office. But, but I would like to see more of these politicians challenged with reason and logic. I think you see, you, you see it some on the Republican side of the, the aisle, but even then they're, 
questions around you know whether or not something works or whether or not something's right or wrong are still you know governed by partisan politics so you can't even really rely on the republicans uh, to stand up and be questioned with reason and logic so i think it's funny that kamala harris wants to stand up and see if her positions you know will undergo scrutiny from reason and logic, which they would never, I'm just telling you, never will that happen. She, it's impossible because she speaks in platitudes and emotion and this type of thing. And and that doesn't have anything to do with logic or reason. All right, I'm going to switch gears real quick and we're going to switch over to uh, some Fox reporting. And, you know, I think the lady does a pretty good job here and she brings in this attorney general of Arizona, who recently argued before the Supreme Court, and we'll let this play a little bit and um, comment on some of these clips. The Biden administration is backing Democrats' sweeping ethics and election reform bill to overhaul the nation's rules for voting and funding political campaigns. But Republicans argue the package will fuel voter fraud and take powers away from states. Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, who defended his state's election integrity laws before the Supreme Court this week, and Democratic strategist Mary Ann Marsh weigh in on the debate over the bill and share their different plans to restore faith in elections. So we're going to hear from Mark Burnovich, but we're probably not going to hear from Mary Ann Marsh because we've already heard from enough Democrats and their logic and reason, quite frankly, is just not standing up. But here's some comments from both uh, the Senate Minority Leader and the Senate Majority Leader about what's happening with this John Lewis voting rights bill. Last year may have been the year for voting, but this year may be the year for voting laws. Congress is debating a massive bill that would impact voting on a national scale. It's called H.R. 1, or the For the People Act, which Senate Minority Leader Republican Mitch McConnell recently slammed. Their bill would take prudential questions about early voting, registration, and no-excuse absentee balloting, and resolve them one way for the entire nation. They want to force all 50 states to allow the absurd practice of ballot harvesting. There are also multiple proposed laws in states around the country that would change voting rules. Senate Majority Leader Democrat Chuck Schumer criticized the Republican proposals this week from the Senate floor. When you lose an election in a democratic society, you update your party platform and appeal to more voters. You don't change the rules to make it harder for your opponents to vote. So it's interesting. We were talking about logic and reason. And uh, Mitch McConnell, his statement, you know, at least attempts to uh, include logic and reason. And then Chuck Schumer just goes right to, you know, the party platform. You know, you update the party platform. You don't change the rules, which, in fact, we've already established. That's what the Democrats did. And that's the cause of all these problems. Mark Burnovich is the attorney general in Arizona, and he argued for the state before the Supreme Court Tuesday. Arizona, we provide all sorts of methods to people to exercise a franchise. You can, there's no excuse absentee balloting. Uh, You can vote early. We have voting centers. We have drop-off boxes in some counties. You can vote up to 27 days before the election. So there are all sorts of ways that people could exercise their franchise. And as Justin Alito pointed out, it's, it's with about 80% of people in Arizona vote by mail. The interesting thing that came out of this clip was the fact that 80% of Arizonans vote by mail. And to be honest, this is where the source of the fraud was. Um, you know, if you vote by mail, 
the ballot and the envelope have to be together. Okay. So what happens is as soon as they remove the ballot from the envelope, there's no way to tell whether the ballot is valid. Um, it may have come in five days after the election or something like that. So this is why voting by mail is not such a good idea. Look, if you want to vote, show up, present an ID, and pull the lever for somebody. It's as simple as that. There is a proposed new law that Congress is debating. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called the For the People Act. Um, it would result in, in broad changes to voting rules, um, mandating early voting, same-day registration. It, it also claims that it would restore the Voting Rights Act. So this bill would mandate early voting, which the vast majority of states already have. Um, it would um, legalize same-day registration. Now, why in the world would somebody wait to register to vote on the same day that the election is happening. The reason they do this is because, you know, most people have to register with a party or an independent. And so that's why they have registration early. That way you can vote in primaries that, that you belong to your party. You don't, you know, if you're a Democrat, you don't vote in Republican primaries. And if you're a Republican, you don't vote in Democratic primaries. But all that aside, I mean, these are just, this law doesn't really do anything. Now, you can almost count on the fact that they're going to sneak some things in that we don't even know about and they're not talking about that uh, we probably would object to. But it's not part of the conversation because they don't want you to know about that. That's not what Washington, D.C., or that's not what Congress is designed to do. The powers were supposed to be few and defined. And I always remind folks that the federal government did not create the states. The states created the federal government. This is such a great point that uh, Mark Burnovich brings up, that the states created the federal government. The reason it happened this way is because the, the, the states got together and decided there were things that they needed to consolidate among themselves. And these are the... Um, these are the enumerated powers listed in the Constitution. The problem is that over time, the federal government has neutered the states, for lack of a better word, and they've done this systematically. They've uh, Senators used to be selected uh, by state legislatures. Now they're popularly elected in their states. Uh, one of the largest factors in weakening the states is the federal income tax. The federal government now collects taxes directly from workers through their employers and that money just goes straight to Washington DC um, the way we used to collect taxes is through tariffs and then the states would uh, based on the census they would um, figure up how much money they owed the federal government and they would send them a check and, and of course you know you, you see how this has screwed things up even today, you know, when the federal government wants something, they'll say, well, we just won't send any money to Texas or we won't send any money to Louisiana if they don't do X, Y, or Z. And of course, that's, that's why I advocate for, you know, the state legislatures to just pass a law in the state that says, you know, we're going to collect the payroll taxes from the citizens of the states and we'll decide how much money we're going to send the federal government. That's really what the states ought to do. But, you know, what the guy talks about is correct. The states created the federal government. There were just a few things that were problematic 
for the states. Uh, as an example, let's say you're a state. Let's say you're a state like like Tennessee. You you don't have ocean access, right? Well, trade all of a sudden is a big deal for you. So that's what the whole commerce clause was. It was to make commerce regular, and all that really meant at the time was that you know Virginia couldn't charge Tennessee a tariff, you know, for it to bring in goods through its state. So they wanted commerce to pass through. Virginia on its way to Tennessee without a tariff to Tennessee. Those types of things. That's what they were really after. So uh, I think we got a couple more comments from this guy, and then I'm going to wrap up. But um, I think this guy makes some pretty good points. Although, again, none of it is really relevant in the context of this is just about power. This is about controlling the big piece of dirt that we call America. After the election we had, though, and the claims that were made in the 2020 election, is some uniformity, um, you know, a good idea? It, it should should there be some uh, rules or regulations that sort of permeate throughout all of the states? The answer to that is no. No. There shouldn't be regulation from the federal government about how the states conduct elections inside their state. I mean, if you say it like that, it, it even it's ridiculous even on the face of it. But they're not happy with that. They're not happy with that because they can't manipulate it the way they want to manipulate it. You know, somebody brought up a good point about our election system. You know, the fact that we have 50 separate states conducting their own elections actually makes it very difficult to hack our election system. This whole idea that the Russians could, you know hack our election system is just it's mostly just bs right that, that just doesn't happen for one thing they don't know we don't even know the dynamics that are happening in all these individual states how could the russians possibly know and so you would have to know you'd have to have intimate knowledge about all the political dynamics in each individual state and then how to arrange all those so that the electoral college would add up to this person's favor or that person's favor. I and mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. People's vote is not at risk here. What's at risk here is your liberty, okay? That's what's at risk. These people want to take away your liberty because your liberty gets in the way of their power. That's the big message here. And it's really just that simple. And I, I want to read a couple of quotes from Herman, Hans Hermann Hoppe, who wrote... Uh, he wrote a number of great books, but he wrote uh, one is called Democracy, the God that Failed. And Herman's, Hans Hermann Hoppe is just a brilliant guy. I guess you could call him a philosopher. So we're gonna, I'm going to quote a few things from Hans Hermann Hoppe, and then we're going to wrap up with some closing comments from Kamala Harris. So the first quote I want to present to you is from Hans Hermann Hoppe is, Democracy has nothing to do with freedom. Democracy is a soft variant of communism, and rarely in the history of ideas has it been taken for anything else. Here's another one. If the right to vote were expanded to seven-year-olds, its policies would most definitely reflect the legitimate concerns of children to have adequate and equal access to free french fries, lemonade, and videos. And here's the last one I want to mention to you. If the power of government rests on the widespread acceptance of false 
indeed absurd and foolish ideas, then the only genuine protection is the systematic attack of these ideas and the propagation and proliferation of true ones. That's what I believe I'm trying to do here. And I hope you agree. If you do agree, you know, pass this, uh, share this podcast with a friend, a neighbor, somebody you like, or even if somebody you don't like. All right, I want to close with this logical, rational, brilliant insight from Kamala Harris. It's a 50-50 Senate.